Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Where will Cooper Cup be ranked in 2022? Is he wide receiver one next year? And maybe Devontae Adams out of it? Maybe Jamar Chase? We'll talk about that. We'll see what the listeners think about that as well. We'll also recap last night's game. Is there any rhyme or reason to the usage of the running backs in Green Bay? And boy, should we <laughs> just have just should we just have sat Dalvin Cook? I mean, did we learn any type of lesson last night with a backup quarterback in? I'm Adam with Chris, and we got Jacob joining us a little bit later. Our five big topics today, mostly 2022 stuff. How about best tweaks to fantasy leagues? Uh, you know, different formats, things like that. Players that have exceeded our expectations. Cooper Cup in 2022. Uh, Dynasty must-sell players. And anything we learn this year that can be used in next year's draft. Oh, all right. Chris, you go undefeated? Did you win? I won all three of my championships hey! that I was still alive for. So, uh, you know, it, it came down to the wire. I needed to thread a needle with Devontae Adams scoring a certain amount of points without uh, Aaron Rodgers scoring a certain amount of points to win two different leagues. But I got it. Nice. One finished off my perfect season in my second longest running league. I'm, I'm very happy with the, the way this season went. That's great. Probably my best fantasy season ever. Well, now you got to do it again next year. Now the pressure's on. Oh, God. <laughs> Just retire. Oh, uh, well, that's I awesome. Might. Perfect season I'm quite envious of. Um, all right, let's get down to business here. 37-10 Packers. And for those of us playing into Week 18, you know, it, it may not even matter what we say here. The Packers say they're not necessarily going to rest anyone. I think they're going to play a little bit. You know, don't know if they're going to play the whole game, but they've got the one seed. But they don't yeah. want to take too much time off, so they're going to play a little bit. But I, in that regard, would be I, shocked if the the starters played a full game. I guess the only thing I want to talk about maybe is is do you think do you think Alan Lazard is is emerging as anything that could be consistent or reliable? Say next season if they bring the whole band back. I don't think consistent or reliable would be the way that I would put it. I mean, his yardage totals over the last five games are 72, 45, 23, 75, and 13. Um, I think like they moved him into the slot uh, probably, what, five or six weeks ago maybe? And we have seen a little bit of a boost in production from him, but I still think you're looking at someone who's a wide receiver for moving forward. Um you know, I think he's talented, but he's got 54 targets this season. You know, I, I, I just don't think there's enough there. Terrible game for Dalvin Cook. 13 total yards. And yeah. also left with an injury late in the third quarter. And quite honestly, I don't know if he came back. They didn't have the ball much after that. Um, but it's something to keep an eye on for Week 18 if you're playing. They may just shut it down. And they got Chicago next week. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and Jeff- Jefferson was fine, six for fifty-eight on eleven targets, but certainly not not Jefferson. Osborne happened to catch a touchdown. Uh, but I you mean, never Sean, know what to do. Sean Mannion was really, really bad. It was awful. And yeah. You can't hold anything against anyone in that game because of it, because he just, I don't know, he he didn't look like an. I mean, this is feels like it's kind of a pandemic. Oh gosh, I don't want to use that word, but you know, across the NFL. There are these backup quarterbacks who seem to have no competition for their job. And then they actually, like the Giants yesterday is the perfect example where, like, how can Mike Glennon be in the NFL again after that game? Yeah, he's been in the NFL for so long. Like, how how can a team, like, actually look at at Mike Glennon and say, that's someone that makes our roster better and improves our chances of winning? Maybe he's a really great guy to have around, but, like... Sean Mannion just didn't look like someone who can do anything really on an NFL field. He looked totally overmatched. The Packers are a tough matchup, but 
that's it it's a bad sign for Kellen Mond uh that he's seemingly so far behind Sean Mannion. Yeah, and Mike Zimmer was asked if he wanted to see Kellen Mond next week and he said not particularly or something like that. I think the quote was like I see enough of him or something or I see him every day. It was something like really dismissive. Yeah, yeah. He's he seems pretty angry with the way the season has gone. Well, uh, they're 7 and yeah, 9 he's and he's about to get fired. So Oh, Probably if he got not. fired, I would want to I I would hope the Giants would scoop him up. That would, you know, I wouldn't I I he wouldn't be a free agent for long if 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 I no, were if I were the GM of every team. Well, uh, unfortunately, Joe Judge gets to pick the Giants next GM. I don't think that's the case. Uh Minnesota is the 9 seed right now. They have been eliminated. There's only one team in the NFC that's currently out of the playoffs that is still alive and that is New Orleans. Yeah. And I believe yeah, three teams fighting for two spots. I believe no, if I don't the Steelers think so. lose I no? think it, our website has the Eagles as in. Oh, uh, okay. So two teams fighting for one spot. I think in the AFC, if the Steelers lose, it's down to four teams for two spots. Let me see. The AFC, we know the Chargers and Raiders are... No, if the, if the Steelers... Oh, yeah, Baltimore's still alive, huh? Yeah, I think you're right, the, I believe the Steelers lose tonight. And what's the scenario? If the Steelers lose tonight and the Colts lose on Sunday then the Chargers and Raiders would both get in with a tie. Yeah, more realistically, if the Colts lose, which they won't, they're at Jacksonville. But if the Colts lose and the Steelers lose, then I think the Ravens would be in with a win next week. Yes, assuming that the Chargers and Raiders don't tie. Don't tie, right. Chargers, Raiders in prime time for a playoff spot. And let me tell you, man... Or to just tie. <laughs> or to tie. To just, if kneel, they just, agree. just kneel the ball. Yeah. Hey, let's just, just go out there and tie. kneel the ball 40 times each. That's funny. Um, the Chargers are not a team I'd want to face in the playoffs. No. They are healthy on defense. Uh, their, their entire secondary was healthy yesterday. And they, Justin Jones is the man. And uh, their defensive tackle. And they're dangerous. And they, they almost beat the Chiefs. And that could be... A first-round matchup, right? I mean, that would be incredible. That could be seven versus two. That would be an incredible first-round matchup. All right, Jacob's waiting patiently, so let's move on here. Make, we still got the newsletter. What's the newsletter sitch uh, as we get close to the offseason? Um, well, I'm going to finally take some time off at some point in January and February, maybe like a month. But I'm hoping that Dave, Jamie, and Heath will be willing to pick up the slack for a couple of weeks and get some guests po- uh, posts up there. Maybe, maybe if Jacob wants to take uh, a week, what about me? We're going to be, you could do it. I, I just know you hate writing. I don't hate writing. I'm just bad at it. Well, you know, that's why we have editors. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're going to be producing the new, the fantasy football today newsletter all off season. We're going to be talking dynasty stuff. I'm doing the 2022 early rankings right now this week. Um, but yeah, we'll have at least one every week throughout the off season. So, Make sure you keep subscribing, keep opening, keep clicking. So I said one a week. Keep my job. One At a least week. one a week. All right, I can handle that. Uh, some news and notes, other than the stuff you probably already know, like Michael Carter leaving with the concussion and all that. Uh, some offensive line injuries to keep an eye on for three playoff teams, or at least two and a half playoff teams. Kansas City right tackle Lucas Niang left in the first quarter, and Cincinnati left guard Quinton Spain left in the second quarter. Chargers center Corey Lindsley left with a back injury. Cornerback Xavier Rhodes for the Colts, he left with a hamstring injury. I have no idea the severity of any of these. Uh, but it could be a Le'Veon Bell show in Week 18 as both Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn got hurt in Week 17. So we'll keep an eye oh, on that. I didn't that. see Keyshawn Vaughn got hurt. Injured ribs. That's um, interesting. In terms of who's going to sit and who's going to rest, all I saw so far is that the Bucks are not resting players. The Packers... The way they're talking, it seems like, I don't know, maybe a half, something like that. And Washington's going to start Taylor Heineke, but Ron Rivera said, alluding to sort of looking at younger players. I don't, I don't even yeah. know what that means for them. Uh, Michael Gallup towards ACL and Seattle linebacker Bobby Wagner sprained his knee. Probably won't need surgery or anything like that, but you will not, uh, you should not expect to see him in week 18, which could be, which could mean his last game as a Seahawk ends with injury, which would suck. All right, Jacob Gibbs. 
now staring at the two seed. Doesn't even have the Chiefs jersey or starter jacket on. Is it Carl Anthony Towns? Shirt? Yeah, this is an old shirt. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I like it. Good uh, Good afternoon, Jacob. How are you? I am good, man. I mean, it was a tough week for the Chiefs, but uh, it was a fun week overall. Um, a lot of interesting nuggets, uh, takeaways for fantasy. And I'm really excited to get into this kind of, you know, end of season reevaluation dynasty. I love this is my favorite time. You know what I mean? Just really digging into the data. So I'm pumped. Uh, and how about Braxton Berrios? Okay. Jacob told you to right? look at Braxton Berrios. <laughs> and did you know that on the last play that the Jets ran, their QB sneak that <laughs> Turned the ball over on downs to the Bucks. A fourth and two QB sneak. With it was the game on the line. It was supposed to be a reverse to Braxton Berrios, and Wilson had the option to keep it, and he did. And Salah said, if they had handed it off to Berrios, would have been a first down, and they would have won the game. Um, but good job, good call on Berrios. Now, onto our five big topics. Chris, I'm going to give you the first word. This comes from a person named Chris. So how about oh. that, Chris Abbott? Best tweaks to fantasy leagues, tight end premium, multiple flex spots, points for tackles for a loss, points for first down, et cetera. What do you think? So I don't, um, I know a lot of people hate PPR or think that points per, per first down are better. I, I don't think that one really makes any difference to me. Like if you want to do it, that's fine. So I, I think the way I would do it would be to reflect the way the NFL game gets played now. And, and that would be introducing more flex spots, introducing more wide receivers in particular, um, I play in two wide receiver leagues still, and it's not fun having to like make your decisions when you've got a bunch of good receivers. I end up having to sit. Uh, gosh, I sat somebody good. Can't remember who. Maybe Terry McLaurin. I sat him for most of the season in one of my leagues. So yeah, I think at least three wide receivers. I think two flex spots makes leagues a lot more fun. The ball gets spread around so much more now in the NFL than it did you know, 25 years ago, 30 years ago when fantasy football was really in its uh, infancy. And so I think we should reflect the way the game is played. Um, tight end premium is fine. I don't, it doesn't really change the landscape all that much. There's still only going to be like five good wide tight ends in any given season. Um, I don't like tight. I'm just going to say, I, I yeah. don't get it. <laughs> I, I think it's fun. Like it. I, I play in a couple. It's fine. Like it makes George Kittle and Travis Kelsey and those guys first round picks in a way that, they might not be for most, although we just did our top 24 for 2022, and I will have three tight ends in the top 15 picks uh, in my rankings. So, uh, like Yeah, you had that last year, right? Yes. Or 2021. Yes. Um, um, yeah, I, I don't – I just – it's so strange to just do different scoring for a different position. What is the point of that? I, I don't like it at all, to be honest. Yeah, and – and then, you know, I but I, I think playing around with the, the roster spots, playing around with I've had an idea for one of my leagues that I've always thought would be fun. You get one mulligan per year that you have to use in the first half of that player's game. And so if a player gets hurt in the first half or gets off to a bad start, you can use it. But you get one per year. You can't use it again and only in the first half of a player's game. So stuff like that just to. Have a little more fun. Have a little more flexibility. I'm, I'm always down for keeper leagues. I'm always down for salary cap drafts, auction drafts. Um, but I'm also not a particularly uh, inventive person. So maybe Jacob has some more fun ideas. Can you use that mulligan in the playoffs? Yeah, sure. If you if you wow. held it in your pocket, I, I I've never actually done it in a in a league. I just I've always thought it would add some really really interesting strategic wrinkles because yeah. you know someone would use it in the first week. What about, do you have to, if you use the mulligan, can you replace that player with someone who's already played or someone who still has yet to play? I think it would have to be someone whose first half is not over. Okay. I think that's the way the, the rule would be. For me. I'm all about adding flexes and, you know, I think 10-team super flex is great. 12-team super flex is fine, but if you get some injuries there, it's it's really tough. But, um, yeah, I... Adding roster spots, fewer bench spots, and more starters. One thing we've done in one of my hometown leagues is we just removed the tight end position and just made that a flex. And I no. feel like I've never really heard that. No. You hate that. Jacob, you still, no. You still, you still can use tight ends. You I mean, have to. You should viable. have to use a tight end. This, see, this is why you should. Why? Have because fun. then why? Why do you have to you use play, two running backs? Why do you have to use a quarterback? Why do you have to use any of them? 
no there's position because there's plenty. There's no there's no like <laughs> worry about finding a quarterback or running right, back. Part of the part strategy. Of the it's strategy. What are you gonna just punt? You say, oh, we don't play with catchers. We play fantasy baseball, no catchers. Who would do yeah, that? Sounds more fun. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. There's 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 strategy involved in it. Uh, don't take the easy I, way I out, Jacob. I, I like it. I like tight ends, but I'm also a weirdo who likes kickers. No, tight end is my uh, favorite position. I love tight I end. Think, I think having to figure out how to balance, uh, you know, is Travis Kelsey worth a first-round pick? Yeah, I love it. Like, I, I think that that adds a really interesting wrinkle to the game where, you know, you're you're kind of cutting off this entire position. Well, you're not cutting uh, it off. I, with the exception I, of four guys, five guys. I mean, who would you have started in a no no tight end league this year? Right, yeah, Kelsey, probably, Andrews, probably five Kittle. or six guys, yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, you can still like, you give values on those guys. Like I got Kelsey in like the third round because people didn't necessarily know how to handle it at first. I'm like, just view him as a receiver. He's still like a top eight receiver. You know yeah. what I mean? He's still, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it makes it interesting, but I get what you're saying. It does make it easier. Topic number two from Morgan. Who are the players that have exceeded your expectations? And that would be, go to, go to Jacob for that first. Um, yeah, so the, like the most obvious one is is Cooper Cup, but um, yeah, no Cup. Wanna, our, our next topic is Cup. Right, so. right, yeah. Um, I really want to hit on Debo. He's the other like really obvious one. Mm-hmm. Um, but like just what we saw from him this year, I think was honestly more unprecedented than what we saw from Cup or really anyone. Um, mm-hmm. He made a leap from a twenty two percent target per hour run rate through his first two years to twenty six this year, which is like really impressive in on its own. But what we saw like the first eight weeks of the season, um, obviously Kittle was hurt. But like what we saw then was far beyond what I really held in the realistic range of possibilities for Debo. I feel like he had a 33% rate during that time in his first seven games. He was targeted on 33% of his routes and he was targeted on 30% of his routes and five of his seven games to open the season. Um, Just for reference, in 20 games in which he ran at least 15 routes prior to 2021, uh, he only reached that 30% mark two times um, and he's done it six times this year. And it's just... I really didn't think that Debo had like true wide receiver one target hog potential in him, you know, like we just never really saw that. Um, but that's exactly what he's shown this year. And it's come mm-hmm. on a career high 8.5 yard average depth of target. It's not like he's only being used around the line of scrimmage like we saw last year. Um, and so like, I, I mean, and then on top of that, you just have the rushing added in too. you know what I mean? Just this mm-hmm. other element that just makes him a complete cheat code in fantasy. Like, it's it's really wild what we saw from him. So I think he's the one that really, really stands out. Um, another guy that I think will, of course, fly under the radar, because I mean, I'm always pounding the drum for him and, and him flying under the radar is Deontay Johnson. And you're probably shocked to hear me say that, Adam, because my expectations for him were so high. I think I comped him to, you know, his early career trajectory to Michael Thomas going into the year. And still I'm here like saying that I'm I'm really impressed by what we saw. I think what we did, what we saw from him, like, considering how bad the situation in Pittsburgh was, um, was really, really impressive. He maintained, he maintained like the truly elite target per route run rate that we saw last year. I mean, he was third in the NFL this year in targets per route run. Um, and that came while increasing his average depth of target by 10% from last year to this year. Um, so he's drawing targets at an identical rate uh, to the breakout year last year, even with those targets coming deeper downfield. And he also finally like improved his efficiency. That's something that I know Heath rags on him a lot for and just everybody you know what i mean like a lot of people think he's like not actually a good player that just a <laughs> that just ben favors him um but like he was really pretty efficient this year he's one of 15 players with a yard per route run rate above two yards um and just to see him maintain just the target dominance basically every single game and just be consistent even with what was going on in pittsburgh um i think was really really impressive i and I, I still don't think do you think people are giving him his due as like a top 10 top 12 guy going forward or do you think he's still just going to be Considered a wide receiver two type guy. Well, let's see. Well, I did not <laughs> he's, put he's him top, in my top ten, but it wasn't. It was he, a, not an easy call. Yeah, he's a top ten guy for me. He's been a top ten guy for me all season, pretty much. Um, oh, sorry. Yes, I should clarify. I didn't put him in my top ten. We did a uh, twenty twenty two rankings. And going he forward, missed, yeah, he yeah, missed the cut, like but I kind of Dave forgot about him. <laughs> um, Ever yeah, you forget about him, right? That's just how it goes, and it's yes. just like he's just doing his thing. He's just like continuing to be like oh, a premier target hog, like either. I didn't right. put him no. in. I didn't put Michael Thomas in, and those I'm were two tough in. ones. I'm taking Calvin Ridley out. Calvin Ridley was my number ten. I'm I'm gonna put Deontay in there. Um, and then another receiver that I just want to hit on in detail real quick is Michael Pittman. Um, I don't think yes. any anyone really increased from like 
2020 to 2021 increased their rates the way Pittman did. His target per out run rate is up 41% from he his was, rookie year to this year. He was bad. He was really bad. Yes. Like no, in, was, in terms of targets per route run, yards per route run, catch rate, touchdown rate, like whatever efficiency metric you want to use, he was pretty consistently like 138th out of 140 players. It was a really discouraging year. If you look at other rookies who have had the types of rookie year that he did, like it's a really, really gross list. I was like yeah. all the way out on Pittman going into 2021, but like, Target per hour night up 41%, and that was with his average depth of target increasing um, from 8.3 to 9.8 yards. Um, and then yard per hour night was up even more, 43%. And then he did it with consistency, too. He was targeted on 25% of his routes in just one of 13 games as a rookie. Um, he hit that mark eight times this year, and he topped um, 27%. He topped out at 27% in year one. That was the highest he had all year in any game. Um, he just really didn't show like any signs of target hop target hog potential. And that was even with Hilton and everybody out last year as well. You know, he didn't really have much competition, but he just, he didn't, he didn't draw targets at a high rate. Um, and then this year he's hit that 27% mark that he topped out last year six times and he's topped 30% four times. And that's like true target hog potential. That's wide receiver one stuff. And so I, I really didn't think that that was in his wheelhouse. I just did not expect that we would see anything like what we saw from this year. So I think it's not as like impressive as Debo, but in terms of like really unexpected, I think what we saw from him was stands out more than almost any player for me, really. So Debo, Michael Pittman, and Deontay Johnson for you. And yeah, I mean, there's other guys. Hunter Renfro, um, Joe Burrow yeah. really, really surprised me this year. I thought he was excellent. Um, Jalen Waddle, and then I guess Amonra St. Brown as well. I'm not entirely sold on all these guys, but like what what they did was unexpected to me for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Waddle, Waddle, Deontay, Hunter Renfro, and uh, and Amonra St. Brown. It's kind of like a nesting doll situation where there's like just each one's just a better version of the next one. <laughs> um, but the thing I struggle with all of them, and particularly Renfro and and ARSB, is like Renfro was on pace for 840 yards and six touchdowns before Darren Waller's injury. Um, Amon R. St. Brown was basically useless for fantasy until DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson went out. And mm-hmm. so, and even Waddle and Deontay to a certain extent, like their roles in their offenses are partially a function of, I don't know if the right word is the dysfunction of their offenses, but the limitations of the quarterbacks that they're playing with. Cause Waddle gets so many targets on those quick RPO reads and he's really good at that. Mm-hmm. Deontay gets open really, really well, really, really quickly. And Ben doesn't want to hold the ball. And so I do wonder if, like, in different situations, can these guys be as good? But that's true of Devontae Adams. That's true of Cooper Cup. Yeah. Cup you know, like, to a certain extent, everybody's a product of their situation. So, except theirs isn't uh, changing. That's the problem with Deontay is the uncertainty, right? Well, mm-hmm. but, but it's also true of Renfro. It's true of, oh, Renfro, of yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown. It's true of Waddle, potentially. I crapped on Renfro a little bit yesterday. <laughs> Not exactly, but I I just it is so obvious what has happened with Hunter Renfro to me, and it's exactly what the, you said. It's but the it's thing, rugs and Waller. But uh, the thing being that's really hard about that is it'd be one thing if these guys were going out there and getting eleven targets per game and averaging six yards per target. But Renfro and Amon Ross St. Brown have actually been quite efficient. Yeah. I'm sure he could be runs. efficient, so but it's not, he's not going to be... It's not like a, Ricky Davis throwing up a, a shot on his own basket to get a rebound for a triple-double. <laughs> you know? it's, it's not like a... No, it, that, it, that's the thing that's really hard about them. It, to me, it's not. I just I don't think that you build your offense around Hunter Renfro. You oh, know, for, it's, oh, 100%. They're going to want how mediocre that offense has been. Right, exactly. Yeah. They, it, if Waller's healthy, if they add a wide receiver, they're going to have to add a wide receiver. In some yeah. capacity, um, I just don't. I just don't see. Well, I don't want to get off on a Renfro tangent here. Are there other players yes. you wanted to talk about? I, I, um, I think oh, it's entirely sorry. possible that this is like the peak of what we've seen from Renfro, but still, like, aren't we all shocked by what we did see? Yes. Like he was legitimately. Yes. He was. He was cutting into Darren Waller's rates a little bit. He's going to have a hundred catches. He's yeah, a solid player. Yards. He's a solid player. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I had no idea that not this was one, possible though. for him. Really. No. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so sorry, I, you go ahead, I would go ahead. say Josh Jacobs, his hmm. pass catching role, and I'll throw Leonard Fournette in that same category. I just didn't think that that would happen, but that's the tough thing about passing game roles being so important for running backs is to a certain extent, they can just change overnight. Um, it did for Fournette. You know, it's surprising that Bernard didn't have that, but for Jacobs, it was really about Drake getting injured. Sure. 
but but he's been the only guy before, you know. Sure. This was the yeah, first they time they ever right. trusted him like that. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, Debo, man. I you know my when I first did my rankings and projections for the 2021 season, I had him ahead of Brandon Ayuk as a top 24 wide receiver, and I let the I let everyone else talk me out of it, and I still would have been way off on him, but. My initial reaction was because of the rushing game lo- workload, because of how good he is with the ball in his hands, I just thought, like, man, if his target, if the value of his targets just increases a little bit, he could be really good. Um, gosh, okay, who surprised me? Well, I'll say Josh Allen surprised me in that he sustained it. Um, I thought there was going to be regression, and there was a little bit of regression, but you're talking about a guy who is the only fantasy quarterback uh, in 2021 and 2020, 2020 and 2021 to average 28 points per game, which is really impressive. He's my number one quarterback for 2022. Sorry, Jacob. <laughs> um, That's fun. Russell we got, Wilson we got a pretty good me. missed. Russell Wilson surprised me in the wrong direction. He's been so inefficient. I think the finger injury plays a big role in that, but I just, I kind of thought he was bulletproof when it came to efficiency. Well, let's take a look at his first five games before the injury. Mm-hmm. And I'll just give you his 16-game pace was 3,827 yards, 32 touchdowns, three interceptions with 218 rushing touchdowns, a 125.3 passer rating, a 72% completion rate. And by the way, if that number sounds low, 3,827 yards, he left one of those games injured. Um, mm-hmm. But he was incredible. 9.6 yards per attempt, 72% completion rate, and again, 125.3 passer rating. So I, I'd be interested to see how, you know, at, you know, post-mortem, what they say about the thumb and how much it really hindered him. He already said that he came back too early. But yeah. before the injury, Russell Wilson was MVP was worthy. Middle finger, right? I don't remember. I thought it was one of these two, but a yeah. finger. Yeah. Uh, and I'll say... I think Kyle Pitts is being viewed as a disappointment by a lot of people, um, at least from a fantasy perspective. And I guess he kind of was, but he's going to be the best tight end in the NFL really soon. I, I got like, he's so fired season, up he, yesterday because I said, maybe we, I said, believe it or not, he should be number two ahead of Mark Andrews. And he just went bonkers. <laughs> I, I think I have him at number four um, at tight end. Yeah, I do. Uh, just because I think George Kittle might be the best tight end in football, and it's mostly just about not getting as many targets. But the rookie season Kyle Pitts had, one touchdown is bonkers on 105 targets. That's that's not going to happen again. He had 66 catches for 1,018 yards in 16 games, even if his season's over. That is arguably the best tight end season since, uh, was it Ditka? Ditka. Ditka. It um, is the best in terms of yards. It's just an outrageously good season for a tight end. 105 targets, 118 yards as a tight end, as a rookie, as a 20, a guy who was 20, I believe, when the season started. That's yeah. impossible. Awesome. He should st- still be a first-round pick in Dynasty, should still be, like, he's arguably the best we've ever seen at his, the best we've ever seen at his age, for sure. All right, we're going to take a break on fantasy football today. When we come back, we're going to have the Cooper Cup discussion. Where does he rank among wide receivers in 2022? We'll we'll, uh, be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Cooper Cup, 16 games, 
1,829 yards, 15 touchdowns. In full PPR leagues, he is averaging exactly as many fantasy points per game as Devontae Adams did last year. 25.7 PPR fantasy points per game. Such different routes to get there, though. <laughs> Pun intended, I guess so. Uh, Devontae Adams was on his... He played 14 games last year, but his 16-game pace was 1,570 yards. Cup, 1,829, so he blew him away there. Adams caught was on pace for 21 touchdowns, and Cup has 15 touchdowns, and that's everything is per 16 games. Two years ago, Michael Thomas had 149 catches on 185 targets. Cup has basically the same amount of targets and 11 fewer catches. He does have about 100 more yards and six more touchdowns than Michael Thomas. So an incredible year, and I would say it came out of nowhere. This is yes. much better than anything we've ever seen. All right, Jacob, I, I, I asked on Twitter, you know, where would you all rank Cooper Cup? And I think most people would say behind Adams if Rodgers is back. That seems to be the consensus or close to it. And um, then it's either, then it's Cup, Jefferson, Chase, Tyree Kill in some order. But I think he's falling two or three for most people. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I, I mean, if Rodgers is gone, he's the clear wide receiver one. And I, I think you can make a case for him over Adams, honestly. Um, I tend to agree. It did, I mean, it did come out of nowhere. And so I guess maybe it's not quite as trustworthy as like what we saw from Adams where you had a long you know, history of him building up to this point of dominance. Um, but also, I mean, it's a new environment, you know, with Stafford there. Um, so I think it's, it's possible that this is just the new normal for him. Maybe not, you know, s- such inflated numbers, but I think if he, he did it with consistency all year um, in terms of the, the rate that he was drawing targets at. Um, and I think it's, entirely possible that it continues. Um, I think I'm, I'm really curious. So I think Justin Jefferson is someone who could possibly eclipse in my rankings, depending on what the off season looks like for, for Minnesota and for LA. And then another one that I, I know no one is going to put up there because he didn't have nearly as good of a season is AJ Brown. Um, the per route rates for AJ Brown this year are just bonkers. They're just silly. Yeah. His, uh, target per route run rate is identical to Cooper Cup. He's tied with Cup with the highest in the NFL. Um, and like he wasn't quite as efficient as Cup, of course, but like he has been one of the most efficient players in the NFL up to this point. And I would expect him to be, you know, to see some regression from what we saw this year, especially in the touchdown department. Um, I don't know what could happen necessarily in Tennessee to make him, you know, to elevate him to that level, you know. But I think he's somebody that just go that flies in the radar a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, for Cup, I think he's a clear top two guy and um, probably going to be the wide receiver one for me. I would guess, honestly. Chris, where'd you rank Cup? Ranking right now, I think Cup has to be number one just with the uncertainty for Devonte Adams. You know, he could be back in Green Bay, but it could be with Jordan Love playing quarterback. He wouldn't be the number one wide receiver there. So, like, look, like you look at um, someone just in the comments called us out for saying you look at uh, as a prefix or you talk about as a prefix and now I'm in my head so I won't say that <laughs> really Devonte <laughs> Adams is a player who um, he's basically done this for four seasons that's the big edge that he has on Cooper Cup is he's had a similar upside as a fantasy player but we're talking about now we are talking about <sighs> it's in my head uh, <laughs> 21.8 PPR uh, points per great. game in, in 20. 18, 17.7 in 2019, but that was five touchdowns in 12 games. We know that's an outlier. 25.7 in 2020, and then 22.2 in 2021. I think he's either the best or the second best wide receiver in fantasy. Devonta Adams is, and um, the the argument for him ahead of Cup would be if he's back, if Rodgers is back, the track record's so much better, and the upside for Cup is not much higher if it is at all. So. Um, it's an easy call for me if Rodgers is back. Adams is one. I think, yeah, I, I think it's... I just, man, I'm not even going to overthink so, it. Cup has been so much better this year. Yeah, he has, but... Well, has and, like, he the actually, targets per game are actually pretty close. Uh, Cup has, has him by a little bit, but... Yeah, he's been better. Adams has 162 on 15, in 15 games. Cup has 184 in 16, so the targets per game are pretty close close uh, he's been three and a half points better in PPR than Adams yeah. that's incredible but yeah. I you know I don't know I don't know what to who to compare Cooper Cup to I, I think Stefan Diggs is a pretty decent comparison right well I, I, a big part of this it is, season for Cup 
is last season for Diggs. New quarterback, granted new team, whatever, but just always a guy who had been very good but took it to this completely yeah. bonkers level and fell back down to earth uh, in 2022, 2021 for Diggs. Yeah. So I, I just can't go, get past the track record of Adams. The thing, yeah, and, and I, I guess the, the way to put it is Cooper Cup's going to regress from this, almost certainly. It, it's doing this for two seasons in a row, like 25 points per game for a running back is really hard. For a wide receiver, uh, you don't really see that at all. Doing it two years in a row, I would guess nobody's ever done it. Um, yeah, you're and right. so we know what Devontae Adams' regression looks like, and it's still arguably the best fantasy wide receiver in most seasons. We don't know what Cups looks like. That that's the biggest argument I think for for Adams is just there's there's an unknown quantity with with Cup. But there's but, no case to be made for anyone else. There's no case to be made for Jefferson or or Jamar Chase or or Tyreek Hill. I mean Tyreek Hill is still the number one option for the best quarterback in football on a offense that's going to throw the ball a ton, you know. Yeah, I just I think we saw something close to the ceiling last season and obviously it was awesome 22 points per game, but I mean, is it possible that he can replicate his career efficiency on the volume he's had this season? Who, Hill? That's, that's kind of the question, yeah. Well, but I think that's... his volume's way up. I think it's, I think it's more about, like, what do we expect from Cup next year? You know, I, I just... I really... I, I'm just amazed at the year he had. And let me also tell you, this is crazy, right? So he, he did not set the yardage record. He could set it next week, but, you know, it'll have an asterisk because... Calvin Johnson did it, and Calvin Johnson had more than 100 yards than Cup, I think, in, in the same amount of games. Um, but Calvin Johnson in 2012 had 1,964 yards, and Cup has 1,829. Cooper Cup has had fewer than 92 yards in one game. That is incredible. 92 or more yards in every game except for one. Calvin Johnson had five games that season with fewer, no, six games with fewer than 92 yards. He had five games with fewer than 52 yards. He had a 329-yard game, but still, what you, you didn't see any bad, one bad game all year from Cooper Cup. I, I cannot express how impressive that is. You want to compare it to Michael Thomas uh, the year before that. Michael, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's somewhere lost in my notes, but it just, it does not happen. Uh, oh, he had five games with fewer than 92 yards and um, three games with 37 to 54 yards. So that happened one time to Cooper Cup this year. It's staggering, and that's why I just I can't see him coming close to replicating this. I just can't. Um, so I I think he's probably going to get overdrafted, and um, I don't really I don't really have much else to say. I just think maybe I don't have a great reason for it other than I've seen football and it's really hard to repeat. And if you draft oh, yeah, him in no. the first round expecting yeah. him to repeat, I think you're going to be disappointed. Can I just? Since you brought up that Calvin Johnson season, can I just share the crazy stat about it? Yeah. He had, I believe he had five touchdowns that season, right? Yes, on 204 uh, targets. 204 targets, 1,964 <laughs> yards, 122 catches. He was tackled inside of the five-yard line eight times <laughs> that season, tackled inside of the 10, 11 times. That is just bananas. Yeah, five touchdowns. That's wild. All right, so he's going to be a top four guy for sure. He'll be top. He'll be number one for a lot of people, and we'll be talking about him for the next nine months. It'll be great. Uh, from Demoralizer in Dynasty, who are some must-sell players? Get something for them before you can't. Chris, anyone come to mind? So I think the first one would be like Hunter Renfro and Amon Ross St. Brown, those types of players where we just think they ended the season playing over their heads. You know, we, we talked about on fantasy football today on HQ on Monday about whether Hunter Renfro is a top 25 dynasty wide receiver. I think he's in that range, but I also think this is probably the best it's ever going to get for him. And so you should probably try to sell him. And um, I would also just say, like Damian Harris, I don't know how much you'll be able to get for him, but he's tied for second in the NFL in carries. He's still young, but pretty clear that he's not the number one guy. And I think, you know, maybe he gets traded somewhere where he can be, but more likely than not is he's just going to either be in a frustrating split next season or it's Bill Belichick where Mondra Stevenson could just push Damian Harris to the bench and he could get eight inactives next year. 
Um, so he's one, and Joe Mixon. I this was a weird season for Joe Mixon. I mean, the, the production was finally there, but the the target the the passing game role was still pretty frustrating. Pretty like very inconsistent. He had seven catches yesterday. It was kind of almost without rhyme or reason. His passing game role. He had last three games before the most. The last two he has seven and six. Then one two zero, and then four zero. Um, mm-hmm. No. Reason. So I just I don't know if Joe Mixon. Can you rely on him to score sixteen touchdowns again next season? So uh, what category are you putting him, him in? You're putting him in the get something while you can. Oh, category? sorry, it's sorry, little, sorry, sorry. Right. Not get something while you can. That okay. I I miss misunderstood the question. Damian Harris, Monroe St. Brown, Hunter Renfro, I think all qualify for that one. I'm so sorry, Adam. Uh, well, I don't want I don't want people to yes, say I know. Chris I Tower. Know. You know, <laughs> um, maybe Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know if people actually value him at this point. He might have more value to keep than to trade. Um, Here's one for you guys. Who do you, who do you think has more dynasty value, Ezekiel Elliott or Tony Pollard? Pollard would get more in a trade. I think he shouldn't. It it should definitely be Zeke, but it might not be. Honestly, he might not have higher perceived value, which is nuts. I don't know if Pollard's Pollard's ever going to get his chance. Well, Pollard's under contract for next year, so he's going to be a backup again. Then he'll be a 26 year old free agent at running back without having proven that he can be a an every down guy. I just. Yeah, the chances of him being a consistent fantasy starter at any point in his career, I think, are pretty slim, barring an Elliott injury next season. Jacob, any players that you'd look to sell, get something for them before you can't in Dynasty? Um, yeah, Harris made my list as well. Um, I think both Atlanta guys, Russell Gage and Cordero Patterson, like played really well this year. Um, sure. And it's it's possible you might be able to get something, um, whereas like this time next year, they might be worth absolutely nothing. Um, James Conner is someone I would throw in there for sure. Um, Dawson Knox, I just don't really believe in what we saw at all. Um, that's a good one. He ran a ton of routes this year. So, which is like a good thing for tight ends. I, I, I always bring up these, you know, per route rates. Um, and they can be a little misleading for tight ends. And so I don't want to overreact to the fact that his per route rates were way down in year three, but they were. Um, and so like, I, I don't know. I don't think it's possible for him to like, I think we've seen the best we we're going to see from Dawson Knox and he's young. So, and he's attached to a good offense. So he might be valued really high mm-hmm. um, by, by somebody in your league. Um, I think he's a tight end five right now. Right. It's nuts. I don't think he made my top 10 for 2022. Yeah. He would make those points were pretty. What was that? Oh, oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, you've, you've probably said before, I was just saying the way you accumulated the points is just not very repeatable. Yeah. Yeah, right. He'll have some good games. He's playing with with uh, a great quarterback and a great offense, and they throw a lot of touchdowns. But he's uh, not useless. Shoot Robert Tunyon. No, I don't think he's Robert Tunyon. I I don't. No, think Robert that. Tunyon was better. No, it, Robert Tunyon caught a lot of touch. I I think he's a different player than Robert Tunyon. Robert Tunyon to me, uh, I think Knox, Knox has more versatility than Tunyon personally. Um, yeah, I, I think Knox will be okay, but. But still, some. But it's not some. Not a commodity that you need to hang on to in dynasty, by any means. And, and then I have three receivers um, that I I don't feel great about because I don't. I'm not convinced that these guys aren't good. They could be good, um, but we haven't really seen for sure that they are. And I think that they there's a perception around them. They're like they're decent. They're decent young receivers that had decent years this year um, and could continue to play well um, in larger roles. The first one is Van Jefferson, um, and the second one is Gabriel Davis. And those two kind of parallel each other in that they're attach a good offenses they're young they're deep threats um, but they really their per route rates have not been encouraging through the first two years um and we don't really know that they're going to have consistent playing time going forward um they could um, but i think you could possibly sell those guys based off what we've seen from them in the mid to late season um and i, I think it's entirely possible that a year from now they really aren't going to be worth anything um okay. and then the other the other one's marquez callaway who probably is not going to be worth as much as those guys um, but he's actually had a decent year kind of quietly, given how bad the situation was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't really yeah. know if I believe in him. And then I'll, you, you got to throw in receivers in their 30s, especially ones who have started showing injury-related decline, like Adam Thielen last year would have been a good time to sell him. So mm-hmm. I think DeAndre Hopkins is the obvious one there. Um, well, I got Dynasty one for Specifically, I, I would say Amari Cooper is still quite young, but... You know, 
not a lot moving in the right direction for him. If you're assuming CeeDee Lamb is going to take a big jump at some point, that's going to cost Amari Cooper probably. And um, Tyler Lockett. I mean, the, we actually haven't seen many signs of decline for Tyler Lockett. He had arguably uh, one of the most efficient seasons by a receiver uh, in the NFL, 1,077 yards on 102 targets with six touchdowns. It's really, really good. But he's getting up there in age. Um, and Jacoby Myers. I just – if they add talent – and I, I think he's pretty good, but he's clearly just a guy also – if they add talent, it's going to come. Like he, he mostly matters for fantasy because of volume. So he, he's one guy I would be looking to sell. And I'm on the fence on this guy, but uh, I, boy, I don't know what the future holds for Kenny Galladay. He has had <laughs> such a bad year: 499 yards and no touchdowns. And he's very injury prone now. It's just he's yeah. 28 and he's old. Yeah, he's Does 28. he have any value? I think I, so. I mean, I would take him in dynasty or ahead of every wide receiver. Well, not everyone, because Chris mentioned some pretty high-end guys. But, you know, Marcus Calloway, Russell Gage, Gabriel Davis, I still would have Galladay ahead of them. I think uh, there's a lot of people who would rather have Gabriel Davis. I would, yeah. I would not, but... I wouldn't either. Galladay was a legit number one, you know? I mean, even with yeah. David Blau at quarterback, he was putting up you numbers. Want, you want a controversial one? Yeah. What about Terry McLaurin? No. I'm a, he's I'm a buy. I'm a buy. I think he's good. But I have no reason to think that quarterback situation is going to be better in 2022. He's old-ish for a guy who is perceived to be young. He'll be 27 by week two of next season. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to make that elite leap like we were hoping for. I think it makes some sense, sense logically, but like I'm too in love with Terry McLaurin to do it. <laughs> I get and what you're saying about the age. but Also... Hopefully, Curtis Samuel will be healthy the next year. I love him. I think his skill set is so good. I think uh, the way Ron Rivera used him that last season in Carolina could be hugely valuable if he could actually stay healthy. And he's like three years younger than Terry McLaurin and was clearly better than him in college. So just putting it out there. Uh, Putting it out there. He was clearly better than him in college? Uh, Yeah. They were different players. McLaurin, I think, was more like an 18-yard-per-catch guy, if I recall. Um, mm-hmm. So he probably didn't have as many catches. But I don't know. I think he was more of a big play guy. I don't really remember. Um, but they were drafted pretty similarly. So I don't know. How, uh, I don't know. Weren't they? Maybe. So I, I don't I don't know. Um, but McLaurin. 40th yeah. versus 76th. McLaurin is uh, That's not that similar. But Samuel was two years ahead of him, despite being a year and a half younger. Yeah, I don't know. McLaurin, to me, seems like a much more legit number one receiver than Samuel. Look, I said it was controversial. It was. Look, that was your bold prediction going into the year. He never got to play out that he'd be better. That Samuel would be better than McLaurin, and uh, I guess you can you can just recycle it for next year. It's incomplete. All right, uh, let me just get give me two minutes on this last topic here from Adrian. What have we learned this year that can be used in next year's draft? Uh, Jacob. I really didn't have much. I feel like we talked about this a few we weeks did. ago. Yeah, people right? forget. A similar topic, yeah. They weren't listening a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, Chris, do you have anything? Yeah, I'll just point out, this was my first year doing rankings and projections and, and all that stuff. And the, obviously the rankings are heavily based on the projections. And this is something that our, our, our old friend Ben Gretsch has talked about a lot with regards to like team volume is something that we tend to think is sort of static where mm-hmm. like teams will run a similar number of plays if their personnel and coaching staff are the same and they'll have a similar run pass split. But we know that a nine and seven team in the NFL can easily be 13 and three or six and oh man, no, I'm talking about 16 game paces and starting to get off track. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that it's hard to predict win totals from one year to the next how a team's going to play, how often they're going to be in the lead, all that stuff. And that all plays a big part in how often a team throws and runs and how many plays they run and all these things. And so tying tying my expectations less to that kind of stuff and having more room for a wider range of possibilities, and I think the Ravens are a good example of this with the passing game, where, yes, it took all their running backs getting hurt, but running backs get hurt. 
You know, that's the kind of thing with like they're they're not the only team that had that happen this season. That can happen to a team, and all of a sudden they're throwing a lot more than they ever have. So, I think that kind of stuff just it's always useful to think in terms of probabilities and in terms of ranges rather than a single outcome when you're projecting and, and looking forward to the next season. And that is a uh, that is one that I will be taking into account. But I will say, you never want to fight last year's battles. You don't want to overreact to the 2021 trend in the 2022 season. 2021 is not the only season that has happened. And oftentimes we can do the, well, this happened last year, so we have to react to it. Um, You'll see it with really, really good rookie wide receiver classes where the next year rookie wide receivers will get drafted higher. You saw it with rookie running backs coming off that Joe Mixon uh, rookie class with Christian McCaffrey and a bunch of other guys that the next year got overdrafted because the previous year was so good. Um, so just that, that kind of stuff. I'll bring up just what I brought careful. up a few weeks ago when nobody was paying attention. Uh, there are only two wide receivers currently in the top 12 who are on offenses that are not top 14 in scoring. So let's say top half. Uh, Minnesota's 14th, San Francisco's 13th. Obviously, you have two top five wide receivers there. But the only two wide receivers that are currently in the top 12 on offenses that are in the bottom half in scoring are, uh, this is full PPR, number eight, Deontay Johnson. He will probably, eh, he has a chance to be number seven by the end of the day. And number 11, Hunter Renfro. And he is not a top 12 guy per, per game. So, that is going to matter to me. I'm sure I will argue with a lot of people about that, but quality of offense matters a lot. That's how you get the difference between DJ Moore and I don't know and Keenan Allen. You know, you know, it's like just bad quarterback play can really hurt these wide receivers. So it's going to mm-hmm. be more specific. It's not like, well, I think they're going to have the 17th best offense, so I'm not going to get it. No, it's going to be the teams that I think are going to have a horrible quarterback. I'm just probably going to look for value or fade. Um, and, at wide receiver. And uh, I'll throw out with, I mean, CeeDee Lamb did take a step forward, but obviously not nearly as much as many expected. He's 16 in points right now. Um, ended up being drafted as a top 12 wide receiver, I think. Uh, DK Metcalf, another good example. Progress doesn't always move as smoothly as we expect. It's not always linear. Sometimes guys take steps back before they take steps forward. Um, so when you're looking at Jalen Waddle, who's 13th right now, probably top 12 per game. I have, I don't have that pulled up. You know, you want to say, well, Jalen Wall is just going to be better next season. But if they have a different offensive coordinator, if they have a different quarterback, maybe he doesn't get quite the volume of targets that he's gotten this season. So just keep in mind when it comes to young players that it's not always incremental. It's not always forward progress, you know, and, and it can be easy Good to get term. a little overexcited. Forward progress. I like that. Uh, Jalen Waddle is 14th per game. Not counting Christian Wilkerson, who is fourth per game with uh, four catches for 42 yards and two touchdowns in one game. Who didn't seem that coming? (laughs) All right. Uh, We're out of here. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy Monday Night Football. Oh, I forgot to give this stat. Cool stat on Justin Herbert, who is playing on Sunday night against the Raiders. Winner is in the playoffs. Daniel Popper of The Athletic tweeting, Justin Herbert in five career primetime games. Five games, 1,418 passing yards, 14 touchdowns, two interceptions, 65% completion rate, 132 yards, and two rushing touchdowns. 132 rushing yards and two touchdowns. So uh, expect a big game from Justin Herbert. For Chris, for Jacob, I'm Adam. Have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today.